The Pinball Network is online. Launching. Just another pinball podcast. Hello, this is Joel Engelberth with Just Another Pinball Podcast, episode 13, I think. 13? Um, I know I just released an episode a few days ago, but my brother happens to be in town, and I know I've enjoyed interviewing um, both my wife and my dad, and uh, my brother's just two years older than me. We've shared a lot of hobbies. We've done a lot of things together, and just curious to pick his mind a little bit on uh, the pinball hobby, and I actually have a slideshow to show him just based off of the latest deeper reveal. Kind of want to pick his brain on what he thinks as an outsider, uh, whether or not what he's seeing is cool or not. But um, yeah, this is my brother, Jared. Hey, I'm Jared, uh, brother to Joel forever, for 32 years now. So uh, yeah, I don't know a ton about pinball. I think the first pinball thing I played was an Adams Family at Purdue. Go Boilers, and he's into this crazy hobby. And if anyone asks or see me on their Twitch stream, I will be talking about Magic the Gathering or Warhammer 40K. So send me all your dumb questions about those. Yes, his uh, Twitch handle is HXC... What is it? 1984. There you go. Yeah. But he may change it because I'm trying to talk Jared into potentially streaming, but you'd be streaming uh, Magic the Gathering. So Nothing to do with pinball. Yeah, that's fine. So I have a series of questions here I've asked others. So question number one, how many podcasts have I recorded? 13. You just said that. I know, but you'd be surprised. I don't know if dad or Nicole got that right. (laughs) (laughs) And then the better question is how many of those have you listened to? Uh, three, I want to say three or four. I mean, you could lie to me and say all 13. No, not true. All right. So, I mean, that's fine. Uh, my brother-in-law, Chris, who's probably going to hear this and be upset because he's given me a hard time that I haven't interviewed him yet has actually mentioned that he has listened to every single one and yet he has yet to be interviewed. So I don't know how that, I don't know. Shout out to Chris. So thanks for listening. Um, so yeah, another question. What is your overall arcade experience? What what have you, when it comes to arcade games or pinball, I mean, you said you played one at Purdue, but do you remember, I mean, growing up, I'm trying to remember, we did have that arcade at the mall. Yep. And I remember, I don't remember there being pinball. I just remember no. a lot of times that we would go, we would either play um, X-Men, yep. which had the six player X-Men with the two monitors. I think or, sweet. or like, I remember Time Crisis was a game we'd play. Mm-hmm. I don't, and then I remember there was another arcade that had Point Blank, so like two shooter games yep. and X Men. Yeah, so I would say, and on top of it, the funny thing is, I remember the thing I remember about that arcade is right next to it is where we bought our first Pokemon cards in 1998. I want to say when it came to America. So, and you got a Charizard out of the, like the third pack you ever got, so that was a pretty big deal. Um, when it comes to arcade games, I. For me, it's primarily Metal Slug is the one I really go to. I love Metal Slug. I've tried to play Fighters because Street Fighter 2 is cool, but I'm I'm horrible at it. So I was never good at that. But I'd say Metal Slug. And then, and then as I said, I, I remember at Purdue, there were three pinball machines in the basement at Purdue across from the that uh, candy store or whatever that's in the basement. And, but all I remember was an Adams family. I don't remember anything I else. Don't, yeah, I don't remember playing them at all, which is hilarious because if I would have known, actually, now in West Lafayette, Indiana, Purdue University, there's actually an arcade there um, that I am kind of really glad. Mainstream Amusements is what it's called. It opened like two or three years after we left. Um, and if I would have been into pinball then, I probably would have spent a lot of time there. So I'm very sad it's not there. But um, 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, there's just, there are people that are in this hobby that have been in this hobby their entire lives. And I would say, you and I, I remember playing Metal Slug. I remember Neo Geo. And I don't know if yep. it was like a Pizza Hut or something. But I was always fascinated by a Neo Geo cabinet. And that was actually the first thing I got into when it came to arcade. Well, I built a main machine. But the first real arcade cabinet I got was a Neo Geo cabinet. Which kind of leads me to my next question, which is, how many games have you helped me move? Oh, golly. Um... <laughs> Probably not as many of the pinball machines, but probably more of the arcade ones. And we're probably four or five at this point. So yeah. enough. Yeah. My brother and I, we are not small beings. We're both six, four. We got some weight on us. And so moving these machines are still a pain, but um, we've done it for sure. Uh, so here you go. Why do you think I enjoy pinball? Okay. I've thought a lot about this. So when you initially got into the arcade and the main machine, you are a technophile by nature you're a computer guy you've that's all and so i think you enjoyed all the software side of things there and then i think when the pinball bug hit you it was all the mechanical side of it with you still need a lot of electrical knowledge and things like that but the mechanical movement and things and then also they're just giant toys you get to play with i've seen when you complete a main machine it's done and then you go back and re-upload the software I see you constantly tweaking these things downstairs. You're constantly outfitting new lights or new bumpers or whatever and fixing things. And so I think it's that continual hobby aspect of it that is cool. But then I, I also think you got into the community, which has been the thing that blows my mind out of all of this is that there's this huge pinball community out there that exists of people that own these themselves and search these out and play them and things. And so I think that aspect of it too on top because i don't think that exists in the arcade scene as much i don't think there's like it's more you know video games yes but not like neo geo nerd hotline sitting around talking about hey and, and they're not making anything new yeah. right yeah. there's no rent nothing no innovation yeah on them. that's i would i think you that i think you hit a lot of that spot on i i do know i i personally i like to tinker and i think uh i i know i i poured hours and hours and hours in, into building the the main machine that i had built i had physically built a lot of it built my control panel so it was woodworking designed the graphics for it and then spent so many hours tweaking the software to get it how i wanted it and then i realized i really wasn't playing it <laughs> and yeah. so I, I know between the two of us when it comes to who has played more video games actual video games it's it's absolutely you mm -hmm. um growing up a lot of times i spent more time watching you play than probably playing and then even afterwards I just know I don't have the attention span to play video games, but for whatever reason, I can play pinball for hours on end. And, and I think it's just the randomness and the physical aspect of the game that I really like. But yeah, this hobby is definitely, you know, there's plenty of collectors out there that, that all they do is buy their machines, they play them, but they really just, I think, like the collecting aspect of it or, or looking at the pretty boxes of lights and they pay people to fix their machines. And to me, like fixing machines is, is one of the one of the more enjoyable parts of the game. Like, I really enjoy that aspect. Yeah. But the community is, is a great point. I think you're right. With the arcade hobby, you could share that love with other people in the hobby. But yeah, there's, there really aren't arcade game conventions besides reliving the old. There, there really yeah. isn't anything new being made with, with that. And I'm not trying to insult that because I know there's plenty of crossover between arcades and pinball. Um I mean, I have three arcade cabinets downstairs, so I, I do know what we're talking about there. Well, in the arcade community, I think, is more based around high scores. It's more around playing the machines. It's more, I mean, it's the things like that. It's the King of Kong stuff. It's the who's got the high score and things like that. And, and pinball is more of a, 
Or like speed you running or one yeah, CC. Speed running, yeah, yeah. Can you clear the game with one credit? Or it's collecting. It's just the how rare something is. It sure. is, and I know that exists in pinball, but that's so much more within that. But I, I also think the other part is you constantly talk about how you like seeing other people enjoy pinball, and pinball is definitely something that you can even have our kids come up and they see, and it's everything's going off at the ball. I could never get my wife to be interested in a metal slug game. I can sit yep. here and I love it. And oh my gosh, this it's perfect. I can't get that. But a cool pinball machine, you can go up and go, check this thing out. And she goes, yep, it's expensive. And I go, yes, but <laughs> it's really cool too. So I agree. I uh, It's an interesting thought is I do think pinball is definitely more accessible to everyone. Like I've... I, I know my, both of our parents, they have played so few video games their entire lives. They just don't care about them at all. And it doesn't matter how excited we are about a video game. I doubt we could ever hand, you know, our dad a controller and him actually give it a shot. Um, but yet, pinball, I've played pinball with both of our parents. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, and I think they enjoyed it. So, yeah. I, that's a good point. It's very accessible. So, next question. What do you think is the best thing about pinball and what do you think is the worst thing about pinball? Um, I think the best part about pinball is it is a physical game. And I think that is such an interesting difference to video games is where you sit down, you veg out in front of the the TV screen, you press buttons. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But I really do enjoy of where it's like a a pinball. It's physical. You got to stand up and you can tell when you're getting tired. It's interesting that you're doing that. But also you can tell when you're getting better. I mean, Mm -hmm. in the time that you've had really have pinball machines i know myself personally and how little i play i but i mean shoot we were just jamming some tna and i know i could not we got what four reactors between yeah. the, i mean like i couldn't have done that a year ago but yet yeah. just by playing and then even seeing you play that's cool too uh, there's really only maybe fighting games yeah that are like that and that's a whole different community and all their stuff so yeah, like Street Fighter and all that community, it's definitely the better. I mean, you can see it too with like Call of Duty and whatnot. Like the people that put in the hours, they can get really good at that game. But yeah. pinball, I, it is interesting. Beginners step up and they just think the whole point of pinball is you just keep the ball from draining, which is true. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more to that. And I think what's what's hard is I wish there were more people that I wish this hobby was cheaper in a way so that people could get a pinball machine and just start to put in a little bit of time. Because the moment that you actually start to hit the shots that you want to hit and you get just the slightest bit of flipper control, the game becomes astronomically more enjoyable. So I know Price has talked a lot about in this, and I and I don't want to come on here and be like Price is the negative part about pinball because yeah. I honestly don't think Price is the negative part about pinball. Pinball is a niche hobby, and the people that are into it and are willing to invest the money into it, I think it's good mm-hmm. that you have these companies. And I don't, I really don't see how by making a really cheap pinball machine you would get the same experience and people would then fall in love with it and then upgrade and things like that. Like I, I know that you, they talk about it a lot in, in the community, but I think that's one of the benefits. I mean, really the only downside that I see for pinball is that there's not as many physical locations to go play as much. And that's the bummer to me is where we were really starting to see all these yeah. 
you know, barcades show up and all these things that you could go and physically play one of these. And I think that's how you get people into it is you go and enjoy or you have people that play it. And yeah. that's the downside. That's really the negative for me is that there aren't a lot of great places. I mean, you can kind of hit these deserts in places where it goes, hey, a decent machine is an hour away for some of yeah. these people. I mean, that that's really hard then to get people interested. Agreed. And unfortunately, COVID's really hurt that because there are definitely bars that have closed and arcades that have closed because of this. And and I agree. I mean, it's the easiest way to try to get somebody into pinball is either invite them over to your house a lot or try to, you know, if you have a favorite bar, you have a favorite arcade, you know, get them to play that way. It's just what's hard is if somebody decides today that they want to get into pinball, well, if you're buying a brand new one, you're looking at over $5,000. If, yeah. if you want to get something used, well, the intimidating part there is, well, is it going to be broken or not? And so that's the thing that even on a cheap side, Let's say you wanted to get something in the $1,000 range. That's still 1000 bucks to start in the hobby. So like Magic, how cheap, Magic the Gathering, the card game, like how, if you if, if you decided I want to get into this hobby, like realistically, how much money do you have to bring to the table? Well, and that's where I'd make the argument is what happens is people, you look at the end costs with, especially like, let's just talk Magic, for example. There are decks out there that cost, to play Legacy Magic, it's going to cost you seven grand to play, to get a deck, oh, right? Okay. But, <laughs> and that's how many pieces of cardboard? That's 75 pieces so of cardboard. So 75, and so that's, seven, you said seven grand. Yeah, seven grand. So you're paying roughly a hundred bucks a card. Yeah, about. But, okay. but. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing is what I always tell people when I'm talking about magic because people always. So for me, if you know, I love modern. Modern in general is probably about $1,000 to $2,000 per deck is what you're spending. What I always tell people is, look, don't start with modern. Start with standard. Start with drafts. Start with commit. Like there's all these ways and pathways to get to where you're going. I okay. didn't start initially playing modern. I started playing standard. It's a couple hundred bucks. Okay. And then you can start playing draft. That's 20 bucks at mm -hmm. your local store. So there's pathways to it and you get better. And that's where I almost make the argument where you go, yeah, they're getting a $1,000 machine. But I'm going, but you're going to spend the time fixing the machine. You're going to spend the time learning about the machine. And you're going to upgrade it. And then you're going to realize, okay, I've invested enough time. I'm willing to put in the time into this hobby. Mm -hmm. And that's and you need to be able to do that. You either have a lot of money lying around, which that happens in magic. There are people that just, they can blow $7,000 on a single card with no problem. Yep. They're rare and few in between. In general, if you start and you can build to what it is. So like I, I thought I've always thought you did it the right way where it's you started simple. Yeah, it's not the coolest looking thing, but you knew how to take care of a machine. So by the time you got to. I didn't know. YouTube taught me everything. Yeah. But, <laughs> yes, well, but and yes, that's the thing yeah. is that it's all out there. Yeah, yeah. And by the time you got to where you were, then when you're buying a $5,000 machine, then you're not worried about all these extra costs. What if something breaks? You already know all that stuff. Yeah. And you're invested enough into the hobby and you know the people to trade with, you know. So I, I, my thing is don't look at the negative of the price. Everyone's hobby is expensive, right? You can go, I just went to a golf store and you can spend 2,500 bucks on golf clubs right now, right? Yeah. Or you can go and spend 300 and get playing. I just say get playing. Yeah. When you get playing, you'll find the money and keep building to it. Like, it's just don't, I think, I think they focus too much on the negative and you focus weight. People in the hobby focus, Hey, it, how long did it take you? It took you multiple years yeah. to get to the point. Yeah. So build to it. I mean, I, my path to getting into pinball, I mean, it started with arcade stuff. And I remember I, I look back to 
negotiating with somebody on Craigslist about trying to buy a Neo Geo cabinet and it was $300. And I think he initially listed at like $450. And me struggling with the concept of spending $300 because I kept comparing it to like, why would I want to buy one arcade cabinet when I could buy an Xbox for 300 bucks? Like mm -hmm. it's so much more versatile. And I had okayed it because I got a Neo Geo cab, which is a versatile cabinet. But I remember at the time thinking like $300 for this thing is very expensive. And then you get more into the hobby and you realize like your idea of money kind of changes because I know I've spent $300 on a color DMD, you know, just yeah. a, a color feature and, and pinball. But it's, but I know I started with that and yes, I worked my way up. So I know when I got into pinball, my initial investment into pinball was $3,000 and that's how I got a Stern Avengers pinball machine. And I got lucky that I got it at that price because the people that were selling it, I mean, it was like a family owned thing and they didn't really know. But that's still, I mean, three grand is three grand. And a lot of that, though, I had made from making and selling arcade cabinets or like building and repairing. So I'd worked my way up to that. But it's still, my, I felt like my initial investment in the pinball was $3,000. And I know that is, that's a lot to ask um, for a hobby. But um, I don't know. Anybody that's listening to this, I know it's, there are plenty of people out there that are just waiting for that one dream theme that they could, they could justify spending a chunk of change. But the one thing that has been always very reassuring in pinball is I know, I could spend $3,000 on a game, play it for a month or two months, and if I hate it, there's a good chance I'm going to be able to sell it for $3,000 or a little more or potentially a little less. Like, you, you don't take a hit like you do in some other hobbies. Oh, no. that And that's the amazing part about pinball is I'm shocked at how much value they, they keep, and you legitimately are just kind of moving around over time. Trust me, doesn't exist in magic, right? Yeah, yeah. But and then and that's part of the things you learn, and it's its own deal and whatever. And we that's that whole argument. But don't don't just go. I'm going to sink this in because if tomorrow for some reason you needed to get out of it for whatever, yeah. you're going to get out the money, which yeah. is totally different than a lot of hobbies. So I to me, it's just like don't worry about the price as much because. If you're gonna do it and do it right and spend the money, like you're gonna and you're gonna get it back. Like, I mean, that's don't worry about it if you can afford it. Yeah, like don't yes, don't course, put a pinball machine on a credit card. <laughs> you know, like this needs to be something that yeah, yes, please, don't please nobody don't put it on a credit put card. themselves in financial turmoil because of a pinball machine. No. But all right, well, great answers. Um, of all the games you've played, which would you say has been your favorite to play and why? Oh gosh, um, theme Deadpool. Because it's Deadpool, um, and it's a fun game to play. Um, we played that at a local bar. Yeah, we've only had a handful of games on it, but the artwork's pretty great. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a cool, it's cool, it's fancy, it hits all my themes, whatever. Yeah, um, just playing TNA, I love because it it is. I mean, we just grinded for fifty minutes, and it's just fun and fast and crazy. And then. I would say of old games, I have played a Medieval Madness mm -hmm. at a bar in Florida that I randomly found, and I beat one castle, and I felt awesome. Yeah. And that was, for like old school pinball, that was cool. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'd probably say that. I mean, your Turtles is fun, but... I mean, if I were, if you're like, what's your dream machine? Probably Deadpool. Yeah. So I, if you could if you could snap your fingers and take one home today, you're, I'm assuming what you would want in your basement would be a Deadpool. Yeah. But I'd that's... I'm assuming, though... Well, you've only played that like less than 10 times. Mm -hmm. So you would be making that decision, I'm assuming, pretty much entirely on theme. Is that correct? Yeah, it's theme. And, and what I've kind of figured out with as you have rotated through the pinball machines is the newer machines, the last decade, other than Star Wars and how ugly it, the original was. And I guess it's better now. Yeah, there's comic book art now. Yeah, it, it looks, looks cool. Yeah. I think a lot of them play similar. They're all a little bit different. 
But, and I know you, we can sit here and argue ramps and all that stuff, but I think at the end of the day, you're still getting a decent package out of what you're doing. So I don't feel, I don't feel as um, worried about what the play experience will be because I think they're building machines way differently than they built them 15, 20 years ago. Well, yes. I mean, that's a whole another topic that we could dive into, but you know, back in the medieval madness or even right around that age, Adam's family is another example. Yeah. What was alluring people in were the toys. It was the, the physical objects on the on the on the play field because they were built for arcades. They were built to entertain somebody for ten minutes, and let's let me drive somebody to try to see what that toy does. But now that a lot of these machines are in homes, they realize we want the toys to be there, but at the same time, it's the code that we want yeah. in a machine that keeps them playing over and over and over again. And so, yeah, Deadpool, believe it or not, really doesn't have much in terms of toys. The code is actually fantastic. It's a good theme. It's a good art package. The LCD screen adds a lot. So yeah, you're 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 right when it comes to modern games and what kind of allures people. Um, you remember? I mean, you played Hobbit. So like, yep. Hobbit. Some people view JJP games as like the closest thing that we have to older games because they don't skimp on the toys. They don't skimp on the physical things inside a game. Mm-hmm. But there's also a, a ridiculous amount of code. You said downstairs like. You enjoyed Hobbit, but it was almost too much. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's. I I couldn't, and I can't even consider myself a mildly kind of understand what a pinball machine is. Like I, I've gotten to the point where I could walk up. I know I need to hit the flashing lights, mm-hmm. read the little thing. I've I've got that figured out. So I feel like I'm ahead of probably I'm twenty percent of the world would understand how this works, right? Hobbit literally what it is a cool thing. But golly, there are so many things going on. There's hobbits walking across the screen. There's pop-ups. Now we're in this mode. There's 47 other modes and things like that. And I just, I understand the appeal. If you are somebody is extremely invested in pinball, I'm not, I'm not trying to yuck your yum. Go for it, man. That is a deep, complicated, crazy game. And if you have time with it and learn with it, you can probably kill it, right? Mm-hmm. But just from a walking up, playing the thing, trying to understand what's going on, I I couldn't, I still can't tell you what to do. Yeah, and that was, believe it or not, one of the main reasons I sold it. I knew the rules inside and out. And, you know, my brother here is a rather educated guy, and he's like, Magic the Gathering, if anybody knows that, that is not a simple game. That is incredibly complex. And so I know full, full well that Jared has the capacity to understand rules if he dove into it and learned it. And it's just to have somebody over to play for an hour or whatever in an evening, just trying to explain that and get somebody to wrap their head around what they're supposed to do, that's that's tough with some of these games and some of these modern games. And that's why I understand a lot of these designers are having to balance things where it's like, how do I give simple tasks for beginners, but also give depth for advanced people? And the, there's a term called start uh, close to the start button, which means like I want to give them something rewarding that's close to the start button mm-hmm. so you can get to it quickly. So like in Turtles, if you pick Donatello, you only have to hit one shot, that right ramp, and you're in a multi-ball. Mm-hmm. And that's like that for a beginner or a novice player, like tell them to pick Donatello and they can do something very easily and still experience something fun in the game. Yeah. But yet if the, the game was only that deep, no one would ever want to own it. Um, but interesting. Okay. That's a good point. Um, if you could change something about pinball, what would you change? Uh, I wish there were more options. Okay. Like I, I wish, 
I think that would help price if there were more people in the game, like there was more of them out there. I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but mm -hmm. I think if we had more, then maybe we can get more options where it's, hey, they make $3,000 games over here. I mean, they're never going to be five bucks. So yeah, you can have like the three ones and you. I think that would around more design room. Because the thing I always wonder is how many people are private collectors that are buying these or they're buying them specifically for like pinball heavy places and how so many people are putting yeah. them and how many putting them are in arcades and is so this balance of like really trying to draw on people like is that the market anymore or is the market like pin, people that are invested in pinball? So well, let me what about this? You know, like if you knew there was somewhere local to you that you could rent a pinball machine and you could rent a pinball machine for, let's say, 200 bucks a month. Would you consider doing that? Probably. I mean, it would have to, it, it depend. I, I think it, I, my situation when I think would have to be different. I mean, I'm spoiled where I've got you and I, there's literally a decent yeah. pinball place, like 15 minutes from my house. Yeah. Shout out to wizard world. Yep. Who, which has a gazillion games up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So I, I think I'm a bad example. So I don't, I don't know if I can say I, but I think if there was an easier way for people that maybe have or have a lot of distance from pinball uh -huh. and they were looking for, hey, this like almost an introductory thing to it, I think that would help of like some form of a rental. And I, yeah. I, there's got to be a cost balance to that that could be made. Well, that's where like me personally, I would love to like if there was a place that I could rent a game, I would love to say, all right, mom and dad, I'm going to go and I'll pay half. You pay half. Let's rent this game, put it in your basement for a month. And just to see how often, whether or not dad would actually go down at night yeah. and play to blow off some steam. Because if so, there's a chance I could get him hooked. But I also understand like to put a machine like this in somebody's house, there's a lot of risk and blah, blah, blah. But just random thought. Um, here's a good one. What would your dream theme be? If you could oh. call up one of them and say, please make this game, what would you, if, if you make this game, I'll buy it and put it in my basement. What would you want? Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Good answer. Come on. I mean, you can't tell me they can't make a sick it and not Blade Runner 2049. And I will defend that movie if anyone comes after me. It's, it's a good a great movie. movie. It is. If they give me original Blade Runner, I think there's so much you could do with that. It mm -hmm. would be sick. I think also there's a Dune movie coming out right there now. Is. And I think Dune would be an amazing um, thing to do. And it could tie right into what looks like a really good movie. So Because we've done Star Wars and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. I think I think there's some of them kind of more specialty themes. But yeah, if they made a Blade Runner, that'd be really hard. That I would be going to my wife and going, hey... Uh, they're making a Blade Runner. I need to get this. Yeah. So if we look right now, the current manufacturers, you have Stern, and Stern creates three Cornerstone titles a year, and then they usually have another one. So like roughly three or four pins a year. JJP released a machine like every other year. Uh, American Pinball, maybe one a year. Um, Spooky is maybe one every other two years. So realistically, like every year, there may be six new pinball machines mm -hmm. and if we look at stern's last few they've had avengers they've done turtles they've done stranger things so very very popular well-known themes yeah. and stern is just not in a position to do niche games i would hope but i agree i i am a big blade runner fan but it's tough that if you're only limited to six potential releases a year there are plenty of big themes out there like pokemon that have never been made um, my answer to this is always Harry Potter and it's not because mm. I'm a Harry Potter fan. It's just because I know that game has the potential to bring a gazillion people into the hobby. There are so many like rabid Harry Potter fans out there that would like, they would buy that just because of what it is. And, yeah. um, and yeah, I just think 
you also, from a magic standpoint, like the toys and the things that they could do in that game would be pretty insane. Yeah. Um, do, 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 do. What do you feel pinball could change to make it more popular? I mean, you've probably thought the same thing with magic. Like, how do you bring people into these hobbies? Like, how do you get people, like, so pinball streaming is a thing. I do pinball streaming, just another pinball stream on Twitch. But I know, I know that, like, how do you make that enjoyable to, for people that don't care about pinball? And, and I don't know, like, I don't think streaming is necessarily the outlet. There have been people that have talked about if they recorded or did better commentary during tournaments, maybe we could get people in that way, like show people playing it. But why is it that a game like Fortnite, gazillion people will watch play, but pinball, it's it's like pulling teeth to get anybody to watch it. Well, or you probably run into the same thing with Magic. Yeah, Magic's tough to get people. I would say, personal, if you're asking me personally, uh, like Magic tournament or not Magic, sorry, uh, pinball tournaments, I think would be if there was a better way that I could sit and watch high-level pinball play. Okay. Without, I think Twi- Twitch is its own animal where you have personality and you have things like that and it's a community and most of the time, you know, I go on your Twitch stream and it's fine, but you guys are talking pinball, right? Yeah. And you're and you're talking deep pinball thoughts and all that stuff. And I'm that exists and needs to exist for you guys to sit and talk pinball. But I, the, the couple tournaments that I've tried to watch, it's like I can barely see what's going on. I don't know what this guy's trying to do. I don't know who's in first. I don't know who's in... And so I think there is a miss there where you do have these super high level players, but it is kind of a mystery of what exactly is going on and things like that. So that type of accessibility, I think, would help. Um, But at the same time, I think you need to maybe the better question is, who are you trying to get more into into this hobby? Like I now I agree. Do I think a lot of video games and things like that? But then that comes back to more to where. The unfortunate thing for me is we were seeing this rise of, of these arcades and these pinballs and accessibility for kids to come play it. And so now that there's been all this stuff going on, there's less accessibility. So it's a lot harder to get kids in front of these pinball machines, which I think is the thing. Because as soon as you start playing one a couple times, yeah, you start getting into it. So that I think that's the unfortunate part right now is just the situation we're in. Yeah, It's how easy do you get... I mean, if you use magic example, we're lucky where we have, a, there's probably a decent magic store within 30 minutes of you anywhere in the U.S., right? And so I can go, hey, go here Friday night, play, whatever. It's a lot harder to do that for pinball. And so I think until we get to a point where there's some a little more accessibility there. Mm-hmm. But I think the tournaments and things, too, would help of just be like, what the heck is going on? Because let's be honest, you guys talk a lot of pinball speak when you do it. I still don't understand what you're saying half the time. So Yeah, I would say, so some of the pinball tournaments that, that has been addressed or like is trying to be addressed, some of the higher end ones, they actually have commentators now with even like teleprompters trying to show like this is what he's trying to hit and this is the reason why. So they're doing a better job, but it still has a long way it can go. And then the best thing that I would recommend on YouTube is Papa, Papa Tutorials. It's a professional amateur pinball association, mm-hmm. I think what it is. That guy, Bowen Karens, makes all those tutorials and he explains a game and he'll break down exactly what he's doing, why he's doing it, what the shots are, the route, right right way to go. And that that was a great introduction for me to like understand pinball and understand basic concepts of like stacking multi-balls or stacking shots, like doing a bunch of different stuff, terminology. Those are great introductory stuff. But like my wife, Nicole, I have no idea how I could get her into this hobby because I don't 
there's no way I could convince her to watch one of those tutorials, yet alone watch a tournament. I don't know. The only way I could rope her in is to play, and she's competitive enough that if she played and felt like she was actually getting better, she'd probably keep doing it. And then at some point, she'd like want to know more about what's going on in the game. But well, and I, I think you're onto something there. Where if we present, if you present pinball as more of a skill, it's definitely it made me much more interested in pinball because it's it's less of this thing that you play and push the buttons for. And the more I learn about it, it's like no, these are legitimate skills, and these are people that are extremely talented at it. And so if you spend kind of a little more time, maybe talking about that aspect, so. Mm-hmm. I think you'll bring in people. I know my interest in pinball is much greater because it's like, oh, this is a skill. It's learned. You get better at it. These are the things you do to get better. This is how when you play, these are the things. And I just, there's at times I think we forget the what got us there, mm-hmm. you know, all the little things. And it's more of like, no, let's talk about all the little things that kind of get us to these higher levels of play. Sure. So. Yeah. I And that's, yeah. And I think... I mean, I know there's a reason why so many people love watching Fortnite, and it's because Fortnite's accessible. It's mm-hmm. a free game. It's multi-platform. It's very easy to pick it up and give it a shot, and I understand pinball. The closest thing we have to that is virtual pinball, and there's a lot of people in this hobby that actually say what got them into this hobby was playing virtual pinball on an Xbox and learning. Virtual pinball does a really good job. There's tutorials and stuff of teaching you what you need to shoot. And so if you play those, the video game wise, and you have a chance to actually run into the physical table, you're going to realize very quickly how much more fun the physical table is. So there's a lot of people in this hobby that think virtual pinball is just the worst. They think it's it's not real pinball, but the reality is it is a good tool to bring people in or kind of give them a taste of pinball. Well, it lets you learn kind of the idea of pinball, right? Yeah. I mean, I played a little bit of virtual pinball. I had a free thing on a PS4 one time and I was playing and it was like, yes, it's not pinball, but... It gives me the idea of like, oh, you're trying to hit shots, you're trying to get points, you're trying to do these things. And then once you go, okay, now I'm starting to understand that. So then whenever I'm in front of a pinball machine, mm-hmm. now I got the general idea of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And then I can see, oh, this is so much cooler on this physical machine than it is pressing R1, L1, R1, and yeah. trying to do the For flippers, sure. right? Yeah. Nudging a machine, physically moving a machine or reacting is a whole lot more fun. And the ball does some crazy things in yeah. reality that the computer can never really yeah so i i mean that's the that's it for my little my interview blurb is there anything like anything else that you'd want to say or talk i like i mean you've seen me be a part of this hobby for a few years now to the point now where i'm legitimately recording a podcast and Mm -hmm. i stream it once a week and i know we're talking i think our family we can have addictive personalities and when we really enjoy a hobby we dive in you've gone everywhere from rugby to nascar to baseball to whatever nascar was one year to uh now you're painting warhammer i mean like when you get into a hobby you've you've really dove in and i know here i am and i this is a hobby that i'm really enjoying but um i don't know on the outside looking in i don't know what's your view of like that's cool or what a nerd. I don't, I mean, you can't really say that because you do magic. Yeah, no, I have nothing so, yeah. to say. Um, I think the biggest thing is just, I love the positivity that seems to be within pinball. I mean, trust me, all of our groups, we have issues and there's complaints. And I mean, trust me, Wizards of the Coast, I complain about every month, uh, you know, on something they've done wrong. And that just like Stern isn't perfect or whatever. As long as you keep the positivity in, in the, and keep it going and you realize why we're all doing this because it's fun. And that's what I like seeing is that you do have these Twitch communities that are 
they're fun, they're about the positivity and things like that. So as long as you keep doing that, you're going to have a good product that mm-hmm. you can sell. It's just going to take time. True. And yeah, there's definitely, um, there's plenty of negativity. There's plenty of pin side threads and Facebook groups that, uh, yeah, it's, you read enough of those and you wonder why the people are even in the hobby. It's like, you just seem miserable, <laughs> but that's fine. I mean, everybody has that. I'm assuming you've run into plenty of people that have played magic for 20 years and, um, you know, it's like a, why are you still playing if you hate it so much? But yep. And so I just say, keep focusing on the positivity, but also just, I think realize, I think at times, like when did pinball come back is my big question, because I'm like this, this kind of pinball renaissance, like I know there's always been like a pinball community and things Mm -hmm. like that. But I think part of it too is, is within it, you're going, well, how do we go this faster? I'm like, well, where did this thing come from? And it honestly feels like probably things like Twitch and YouTube and things like that have been expanding where pinball is reaching and things like that and kind of bringing you know, an industry back. And now we have a stranger things machine and things like that. So I think, I think you guys are heading in the right direction. It's still going to take a little bit of time, but keep focusing on that too. It just going, man, we're getting cool machines every year and things like that. I mean, there seems to be kind of a desert period and I don't know when that is. You probably can all tell me. Well, yeah, I'm no historian. The main thing is late nineties. You had amazing games like, well, you had your Adams family. That was like a heyday. You had, Medieval Madness, Attack from Mars, some of those were made towards the end. But late 90s is when arcades just started to go down in general. Why? Because the NES was created and all these home arcade stuff. So why go to the arcade when you can play at home? There was quite a drought. A bunch of other pinball companies died out. Stern was one of the only ones left. So like the early 2000s, I think it was, we had some pretty pitiful pinball machines. Um, Bad art, bad themes, but they just barely crept along. And then we had some amazing games come out like Simpsons, Lord of the Ring, Tron and not only did you have some really good games come out but you also had this age group of people that had lived in the arcades and now they're grown adults that have expendable income and started to relive that and it's only grown uh from there so I feel free to email me just another pinball gmail.com you're probably telling me that those dates are completely wrong but I think from a big scope view that's kind of accurate I think so there you go um well cool i'm glad you let me interview there so to finish this there is a new company called deep root and they're not new they've been around for a few years and deep root has basically sat on the sidelines and talked about all the things they're doing in the background and when they come out they are going to revolutionize pinball so they basically sat there and talked about all the other manufacturers and all the things they were doing terribly and so innovation it's very clear innovation is like their goal and what I would say is I've made a podcast earlier this week because they revealed not purposely some things were leaked and then I think they kind of wanted to get ahead of it and just announce some of their stuff. They revealed a bunch of their innovations. So I'm curious as somebody who has a little bit of experience in pinball, I'm going to show you some pictures here and I want you, I want to, I want your hot take. I'm very curious what your thoughts are. So, oh, and these will be hot. I have absolutely no idea what he's talking about. Yes. So. So my first picture here, which is really great, is I put together, I have a, I literally made a PowerPoint. I made a PowerPoint here. Uh, on this picture, we have a Pro Turtles, we have an LE Turtles, and we have an LE Avengers. And what I want to show here is this is kind of the standard. This is Stern. These are all Stern tables. On the left here is a Pro. That's what I have downstairs. That's like the base model. So a high-end machine, a high-end machine, how much do you think these machines are, the LEs? Uh, probably 6500 Okay, so I paid... My machine was in the high fives. 
An LE machine, LE machine means limited edition. This is their top tier model. They are over 9K. Okay. So if you compare these pictures, what do you see different? You see powder coat. You see different art packages. You see the art blades are installed. You see the speakers are a little different. Different back glass. That back glass, instead of being a printed clear translite, is actually printed on glass. There's a shaker motor in there. That's those, it. Those are all collector things to me. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's the difference what they are. now to defend the LE buyers out there, there are, and these pictures don't show up very well. Typically, between the Pro and the LE, there's another step, and it's the premium. The difference between the Pro and the premium. So you're looking at a Pro is high fives, a premium is like low seven, and then an LE is like mid to high nines, I think, roughly. Between the Pro and premium, there are typically some sort of playfield feature that's there that's not on the other machine. So on Turtles, there's actually a diverter ramp, and then the Turtle van, which we played, there's actually balls load into the van, and then the van opens up and spits out the balls, and then there's this crane figuring. That's it. In Avengers, there's a whole different ramp. They added a separate ramp, and then there's a spinner in it, and the spinner comes up and down. So it's typically there are features that some people feel to really experience the complete package of the game, you have to buy the premium. Mm-hmm. So I could, I think I could sit here and justify there's, there is potentially a $2,000 difference from a pro to a premium based on mechs, because that's the complete game. But the other $2,000 difference between a premium and LE, it's purely cosmetic. But I just wanted to show you these pictures based off like, this is kind of the gold standard of a base model. This is the low end pinball machine on the market. I did air quotes on that. Where you're in the $5,000 range, the reality is we're actually pretty close to six now with that. And then the high end models for Stern are like $9,000 range. Roughly. But you can see cabinet-wise, everything looks the same. They look like a pinball machine or what you'd expect. But I would say every market does this, right? I mean, in my world, there's a $20 card and then they put a special art on it and now it's a $70 card. True. I'm one that's bought the $70 cards because they look fancy and pretty. That's So I completely understand because they're they're trying to make money. They're a business at the end of the day. So let's do that. And people like collecting things. Yeah. So the fact that the limited edition is a limited thing, they want to, if I'm going to, if I can only fit three machines in my basement, I want them to be the best machines I can get. 100%. I get it. If you have the money, go for it. So the next picture I want to show, these are two other manufacturers that are out there. On the left, I have a pictures of Hot Wheels. This is by American Pinball. So if you look at that, besides the price, what stands out immediately when you look at that? Or does anything stand out immediately? I don't know. Just for some just looking at it, I'm like, the play field looks different. Like I don't I don't maybe there's less on it. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the angle. Maybe it's just because you just put a bunch of sterns. Like I'm just had expectation. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a ton. So the main the main difference that I'm surprised you didn't notice is the back box. Look at the shape of the back box. Okay. See how it's all wonky and curved? Yeah. And then you have, there's speakers at the top, speakers at the bottom, and if you look at the LCD screen, instead of being in the bottom middle, it's kind of in the middle over to the left. You, as a non-pinball person, apparently did not notice. There are people that will not own a game because it looks that different. Okay. Because they have a lineup of 10 machines, they don't want the one that stands out. Hmm. Which is interesting to me because I'm like, I know there are a bunch of add-ons you can do on all your machines anyway Mm -hmm. and things like that. So to me, I'm going, okay, that's a manufacturer trying something different with the the back glass and a little change. So, uh, okay. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it may look different, but 
maybe it's a newer machine, so they're trying some yeah, new stuff. It, it stands out. I would say yeah. that machine, if you had 10 Stearns and you had that, that would stand out because physically the back box looks different. Some people probably think that's a good thing. Other people are like, I well, can't handle that. And if that. you ask me, that looks more modern. Okay. Because yeah, there's yeah. more there's more cuts on it and things like that. So if you're average Joe looking at that going, yeah, that's a more modern looking back whatever mm -hmm. back display they've moved it a little bit okay that's cool we're trying some new stuff so it's more modern i get if you're trying to keep everything that looks the same mm -hmm. but to me i'm going oh this is something new they're trying true and if you i don't have a picture of it but if you remember hobbit when you looked at hobbit did you like to me i looked at hobbit and that felt like a way more modern pinball machine because the entire back box was a screen yeah. it was like a 20 something inch screen so I, that's interesting. Those well, are some, and the size of Hobbit always got me. Well, it's a wide body, but that's what is, I'm saying. Yeah. But to me, average Joe, that's like, oh, they're trying something new. There may be tons of wide bodies out there, sure. but that's a different thing than what I'm used to sure. of playing other pinball machines. Okay, good point. The MSRP for Hobbit for Hot Wheels right now is a little over six thousand dollars. So American Pinball is trying to step in here. This is their. This is they only have one model. Hmm. But it's at the $6,000 range. A Stern Pro, you're at roughly the high five. So the idea there is a few hundred dollars more and you get everything. There's a shaker motor. There's art blades are on the inside. Every single insert on Hot Wheels is a full RGB colored LED. So this isn't a big, this isn't Stern. This isn't the big dog, but they're a little more expensive, but they're trying to give you more for the money is the thought there. The issue right now with Hot Wheels, or sorry, with American Pinball is their first game was Houdini. Their second game was Oktoberfest. Yeah. And their third game now is Hot Wheels. So it's hard to compete from a theme-wise yeah. when you're going up against Stranger Things, Turtles, yeah. Avengers. I don't know. There's Hot Wheels collectors out there, though. And that's the thing. It's just looking at it. I'm like, if they had a cooler theme, I, you know, sure. it would be something like... Yeah, they put that on Avengers. It's like, okay, cool. And and the one nice thing about one MSRP is now there isn't the huge like, okay, which one do I need? Which one's better? Which one's worse? All that stuff. You're mm -hmm. arguing on the internet. It's like, no, this is the only one. You buy it. It works. It's going to be the same one as all the other ones and, and you're done. And so... Oh, because there all, isn't a tiered model? No, yeah. yeah it's just yeah. you're getting what you get. I mean, shoot, I you would tell me sometimes the differences. I'm like, okay, so what is the actual difference? Is yeah. it important or not? Yeah. And, and you can make all the arguments, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But to me, I'm just like, I want a machine. I want to play it. It works. Great. Cool. Move on with life. That's fair. So another picture I'm showing here is actually, it looks like, I don't know the terminology, but this is uh, Highway Pinball's Alien. Mm. And I think it was the top model because there's powder coated armor. So if you look at that and you compare it to a Stern or what, what are some, what are something that stands out to you on that machine? I mean, me, it is just the, there's a, it, it feels like there's a lot more powder coat. The back is smaller and it's just one big screen. And yeah. you're, kind of, you're kind of getting away from the back glass idea. And you're just more of like, here's a screen and things like that. And it seems a little bit simpler because honestly, the alien logo on the side is just a box alien logo. It's not the whole... Is that appealing or you're just, that's what you're seeing? I would just, part of me is like, okay, what is the cost of that thing? And what's it like? I'm just like, now I'm wondering what's the price difference here. So the appeal to this cabinet is the fact that I'm pretty confident, I could be wrong, but I think Alien was trying to market it where, or Highway Pinball, where you could buy this and you could buy a separate play field. So I think you could mm. potentially take this play field out, put a new play field in of a different game, and then these, the reason they look like that are, I don't know if they were magnetic or I think they actually slid down through those, but you could get new side art. So if you're an operator, instead of having to buy a full new game, 
you could basically buy the back panel artwork and the two side panel artworks and then put in a new game for cheaper than having to buy a whole new physical game. So they were thinking ahead that way. This frame, the reason it's like that is because instead of sliding out the glass, the whole frame would come off. But what people hated about this design was once again the back box. If you look at the back box, it's really thin. And so there's nothing back there. The point of the back box originally, you remember some of the old games I had where it was full of electronics. Yeah. Now there's almost nothing back there. And I think at one point in time, Highway actually designed it without the back box. This game actually has in the middle of the play field a screen right hmm. there in the middle of the play field. So when you're playing the game, you can actually see your score and everything in the middle of the play field. But there were people that liked this because it looked new, it looked modern, it looked fresh. And other people are like, I don't want that in my lineup because of how different it looks. I think, I honestly, I just like it seems sleeker and just more, it's just kind of what you need. Because as you were saying, I'm looking and going, it's a screen. Uh-huh. You don't need all that room because we're just hooking up a screen. So if in turn that saves cost down the line, sure, may not be a horrible idea. Or even you could do away with it and then you've just got the play field with your score in the middle. And because I'm gonna not going to lie, as a novice player, how much am I watching the screen? Not all that yeah. much. I'm just trying to keep the balls on the play field True. right now. Well, some people argue that, like in Hobbit, the whole point of a Jersey Jack machine having such a big screen is it's supposed to entertain the people around you. It's not supposed to entertain the player. It's supposed to entertain the people watching. I don't know how true that is. Yeah. yeah. Because when I'm watching, I'm watching somebody play. But yeah. other people, I know, like my daughter, when I had Hobbit, she was less than like a year or a year and a half old. So I'd strap her in the baby carrier. She loved that screen. <laughs> she was watching yeah. that the whole time. All right. So that's interesting. So between the Stearns... And the Hot Wheels and the Alien, you actually feel that the Hot Wheels and the Alien look more modern. That's what you're saying. Just a different take on it. So why and why wouldn't you try that at yeah. some point? All right. So I'm going to show you now. These were the initial two leaked pe- pictures of the new Deep Root machines. So I'm just curious what your initial takes are. I'm not going to swing you one way or the other. Hmm. I think it looks cool. I think there's a lot going on like you're you kind of got that glass on the top it kind of floats into the back where you got the it all kind of floating on i'm guessing is that a is that a screen on the bottom or is that a was that the dip the dot point screen? oh like a dmd no yeah. so this is actually this what i'm showing him is the, the original leaked photos so you have a face on one and you have a sideways one and then i pulled one photo from the actual this week in pinball release so this this display is actually, they call it their ultra-wide display. It is a full-color display. Okay. So it's almost like a DND, DMD stretched out. But this is their top-tier model. So they have mm. this interesting back box where they have this ultra-wide display that's kind of floating above. And then floating above that is their back box. And if you notice, this, instead of being like one backlit panel, they call it a panoramic or wraparound panel. Yeah. So this illuminates on the sides the front and the other side so and so if i'm just saying if i have to buy one machine it's going to sit there in Mm -hmm. my house the cool thing about this is you've got kind of more of a full feel to the machine it's kind of more of a centerpiece to it instead of just two pieces of of wood on the sides with a with either black or whatever sure this is a full wrap around so you kind of get more and i think it fits in with the theme like that's where i'm going is okay it's zombie adventure land so we've retro got atomic retro zombie zombies it's it, there's yeah. lots of lights and, and colors and so to me i'm just going from a straight looking at it mm-hmm. it's a cool kind of like modern like but retro sure. and, 
and there's more artwork and there's things like that. And honestly, you got a big, nice piece of glass, which to me is way more interesting to have like this big, beautiful piece of glass and then a little display underneath just to tell us the pertinent information because I don't, I don't care about zombie interesting. land, yeah. right? Okay. So now I can just, just give me like what's going on in, in the thing there. And then the play field looks really cool. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. So you're saying you actually... So, like, JJP has the 20-something-inch screen. You just... There's not a ton of appeal in that, is what you're saying. Like, you would... When yeah, you're I mean, playing, you're looking at the play field, so you're, you would be fine. That's not drawing you in, is what you're saying, the larger screen. Yeah, me personally, there's, there's almost always too much information going on on a screen. Okay. And there's... I mean, like, when we're playing Turtles. Like, it's cool that you've got the hack where we got the old turtle episodes and things like that going on sure but honestly there's times where i'm like where am i in this thing how many pizza points do i have whatever sure and i almost would want to just have like here's the information you need to know so you can get focused back on playing the game okay unless i'm like what's going on now in special modes or things like that it'd be cool and so that's where i look like something like this where it's like you're doing something special you're having a little artwork then if you're getting the appeal to people around there, they're like, oh, man, look over there. He's fighting the zombie and there's all this stuff going on. Somewhere almost uh, The Walking Dead, I think, did it kind of well, where it was like when you hit certain modes as you're just blowing up zombies. Yeah, on the, the... it's pretty graphic. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. graphic, but I'm saying you, it had a feel of like something really cool is going on right now. Then you go back to normal play and all this stuff and then, oh, now here's something cool going yeah. on again. What's tough is, I mean... Yes, a main the main point of a display is supposed to show your score, and then now code and everything's got so complicated that you want to have areas or icons or graphics on the screen that kind of tell you where you're at in the process. But then people are trying to go one step further of having pinball moments or like give me a a, a scene or a clip or something. And I know like with Hobbit, when you're in small multi ball or any of the mini wizard modes, the back box is just going nuts with like crazy thematic themes and and clips from the movie. And like those are times where I felt like I'm so focused on this multi ball, but those were the only times that I like want to watch the screen because of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But those are rarities and not the norm. So I get, but for a novice player, you're not, you're probably never going to see those big moments because you, they're kind of deep. Um, so oh, if interesting. We, if you want a hot take from Jared, here's yeah. a hot take. Yeah. I think one of the problems that I've always found so you have Stranger Things, right? Which has clips from the show and clips from the movies and things like that. Mm -hmm. There are times where I'm in a mode and I feel myself wanting to watch the clip. Okay. And I, when I should be paying attention to the play field. So they're distracting. Almost. So they're distracting to me. And also, here's the thing where if I'm watching you play, you're hitting that same mode multiple times. It's showing the same clip over and over again. And it's like, I don't really need the clip. I just kind of need like, if you're progressing through it or things like that. So like where that like Will's like heating up or whatever. Yeah. So the whole idea of like Will and the radiator as you do things, that's cool. Where it's yeah. like, here's just a little clip to show you're doing something cool. But all the lead up to it and all that stuff. I'm like, once I've hit this a 10 time or seen you done it, I know exactly what's going to go on. Sure. To lead me into this thing, and it's almost a little more distracting than it needs to be. Sure. Hot take. Do you remember when I had Guardians of the Galaxy? Remember those clips? Oh, gosh. There's too much. It, yeah. Because you're talking to a guy that loves Guardians of the Galaxy, so I'm obviously going to be distracted by Guardians of the Galaxy any time it's on. Well, my issue with that was every time you started a mode, there were only eight modes in the game, they showed the same clip. So it's like, if you're used to playing that game for points and you're starting the same mode every single time, that means every single time I play that game, I'm watching the exact same movie clip over and over and over again. And I get that. I mean, you're going to run into that that repetitiveness with anything in pinball, whether it's a clip from a movie or just a mode or whatnot. But 
I mean, that's where to bring it back to the Hobbit, like the Hobbit had 32 modes. So you weren't always playing the same mode every, over and over again, but it, that's really interesting. So I, I just always assumed that machines put big screens on there for the non pinball player, but you're saying you almost don't care because when you're playing, you need to focus on the play field. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So other things to point out on this that, that you may or may not, what I would say is there's some people that think this is really cool. I personally love the colors. I think this looks unique. I do think it's cool. I do like the panoramic view at the top. There are some people that think it looks like a fish tank. They think it's a okay. fish tank or they think it's like an old retro TV or retro radio or they just they don't like the look or they just get back into the world of that back box would look so much different than my other ones. It would be a problem. So this is Deep Root. They're saying this is going to be like, this isn't unique to this game. This is going to be the layout kind of feature for all of their games. Mm. So if you had to put this, if you had to put one machine, do you like the look of this one or American Pinball or Alien or Stern? Do you care? I mean, if you're asking me a straight up look, I just think it's cool because it's something different. Okay. And they're trying something. And I think also like for this theme. Sure. It feels retro. It feels like this kind of retro. Because, okay, we're talking about retro zombie stuff and weird stuff from aliens. It's all weird technology. Mm-hmm. This kind of looks like a piece of weird technology on cool. top yep. of a, a pinball machine. I'll give you that. Will it look good on everything? Maybe not. But but if this- I said, hey, Jared, do you want this in your basement or you want Deadpool? Well, I mean, we're talking about dead. That's not you fair. Take we're talking about yeah. dead. But that's not anything to do to take away from this game. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't it. matter. Even if this game looks amazingly cool, you're still going to take Deadpool. Yeah, so but I just go okay, different theme. Yeah. But at the same time, I haven't played this thing. Well, too. people, that's that's just a big complaint with all these startup pinball companies. A lot of them can't afford major themes, so it's like I'm I like what you're doing, but at the same time, it's hard to justify spending thousands and thousands of dollars when it's an unlicensed theme. Mm-hmm. Like I want to care about if I had the money to have forty pinball machines, sure, throw it into the collection. But if I only have money for three, I'd rather have a theme that I care about than. Retro. Okay, but this, but this makes me go back to of what's our one of our favorite games, TNA. What is the I theme know. of TNA? There is no theme. So that yeah. comes down to play. So for me, it's one of those where I like Deadpool because it's a good game and it plays yeah. well. And I enjoyed it. I don't like Guardians of the Galaxy. I love that movie. I love everything yeah. about Guardians. I would never buy Guardians of the Galaxy, period, because it plays bad. So part of me goes, how can we judge this thing until we play it? That's a good idea. See what's yeah. going on out yeah. there. We can sit here and, and argue about all the things. But if you told me TNA, when the first time I walked up to TNA and saw it, I was like, what is this? Yeah. You've got all these other cool machines. But yet, consistently, I go back to TNA every time. And you can get, you have the spirit here. And you can sit here. Oh, the shadow. The shadow. I'm sorry. Yeah. The spirit was a different thing, similar. You can sit here. The shadows, oh, it's this amazing game. There's all this stuff. There's all these toys. There's all these things like that. I think I played the shadow probably 10 times yeah. full because the theme wasn't any good. The game was bad. It was a hard game to play. It was a hard game. I enjoyed it, but it was a hard game for yeah, novice players, you, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, TNA's right next to it. I'm going, why would I play this when I can walk over here? Yeah. And do, uh, I played uh, um, Game of Thrones, that game, yeah. right? I know you sit here. Oh, it's got a good game. It's got good code, all that stuff, things like that. It's it's cool. I love Game of Thrones. When we were at that barcade, I literally put in two quarters. I balled out after three of them and i said i will never play this thing again and moved on yeah so to just say the only problem is what the artwork is is to undercut what people are trying to do 
True. Yeah, I totally, I totally get it. But that's where people are like, give me, give me the cool mechs, give me a cool thing like this, but just slap a theme on here that I like, and it's instantly going to sell better. But it's just, it's hard to tell startup companies to do that because they don't have the funds. But okay, there are other things on this cabinet that that stand out. So uh, where's the start button? I have no idea. It's pro- oh, is that a Ellie? Is that a display up front too? That is. Ah, and if we look on this picture here, what do you see? Fingerprints. Okay, so that's probably the star button that's probably doing some stuff. So that is mm-hmm. a touch screen. Okay, cool. that is a touch screen. We're gonna get into the touch screen, but if you look at where the star button would be, do you see those right there? Are those speakers? <laughs> that's the question. Yes, they are speakers. But okay. initially, people were like, are those crotch vents, like fans to cool <laughs> me off? They are advertising this as there is a 4.1. So normally, you have two in the back box and a sub. They're adding two extra speakers that are apparently pointed up towards your ears. So these are supposed to be speakers directed towards the player to give more atmosphere. I know TNA is one of my favorite games, and a big part of that is the sound and the mm-hmm. music. So... If there's a chance, and like Hobbit had amazing sound when you crank that up. So I do know if a game has really good sound, it can absolutely add to the experience. 100%. So I'm not poo-pooing this idea, but I definitely have to try it out. So let's let's look at this touch bar a little bit. So first off, just the thought of a touch bar. What Do you feel that pinball needs a touch bar? They are calling this the pin bar. Pin bar, trademarked. See, this is where I come back to is what exactly it's doing. Because I say, I ask that question because I hate the little pressing the thing in the, the action button. button in the middle. Yeah. I hate those. I don't know why they exist. Mm-hmm. Now I have to take my hands off and do this stuff. Sure. So that stinks. If it's picking modes, if it's picking, you know, if you're using it to, like you're showing me, you know, the turtles to get in the competition mode, you got to do this, blah, 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 whatever. Little unintuitive to the average yeah, person. Yeah, you have to hold in both flippers, yeah. and then it goes into that, and you can flip with your. So yeah. if it's like you come up and you're just if you're talking about it, you come up and say, it'd be easier to go. Hey, one to four players. Like instead of everyone putting in their start, you just touch it there. So if it's doing that type of stuff, and if it's giving you some information back of what's happening with the game, I don't think it's a horrible idea. Now, if it's now I have to start playing a video game on there while I'm playing pinball. Yep. Now we're trying to mix way too much stuff together and it's just going to overcomplicate the situation. It's a good that's uh, a good take. If we look at this what they're saying it'll do is one right there in the middle of the screen apparently if you look it looks very similar mm-hmm. to what the back box. So now you have a better idea. So what I'm showing here, these are once again pictures from this week in pinball's article, but um it's basically saying anything that's going to be on the back box will be on the screen. So instead of having to look up at the back box, you're already looking down at the flippers. You have to look down another two inches. You're going to be able to see your score, what's going on, all that stuff. But then they're saying, like, um, I don't know a game that you've potentially played. Well, like World Cup Soccer, when I had that, you know how it had the Magna Save button? Yeah. So they're saying, like, over here, I can't really say. I think it says Magna Save. They're basically saying, well, you could, with your thumb, like, reach over with your thumb and potentially interact with the game in some way. Or I think they're saying you, you like in this game, there's an option where you could potentially go into a store and buy like a power up. And so that would be something that it's like, I want to use that power up now. Hmm. I hope I agree with you. I don't want this touchscreen to be something that you have to quickly react and touch the button many, many times because there's nothing physical on that. So you, so finding that button would be a challenge. But I do think like in Hobbit, Hobbit had 32 modes and there are ways to flip through the modes but you have to react and do it with the flipper buttons. Mm-hmm. If there was a way to start a mode and I could look and scroll and pick the one I want, I'm 
I'm fine with that. So let's just bring up like the save function in DNA, right? How do you get the save function? You got to scroll through on the flippers and things like that. Yeah. Counterintuitive to most people. Right. So what he means is on TNA, the outlane is an S, the in, the left inlane is an A, the other inlane is a V, and the outlane is an E. And once you roll over those, you can collect a ball save that you can move that light with the flippers. So that is more of a react. If you can react, you can save your ball back. But if you're saying it would be nice instead to have something that I can just push. Yeah, if you said if it was yeah. if it was you touch your button, you touch your your thumbs. Sure. Here okay. and you go. Okay, it's going down the, my right outline or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's way easier for me to. I'm already. I'm trying to keep balls in motion. Okay. All right. I got too much going on already. Mm-hmm. If you just go, oh, press this thing, and it, it'll it'll send your save over to that one. Well, then I'm not as stressed out about it, and it's it's a lot more like okay, it's something you learn and you get better at, but it's not because you're already functioning something with the the flippers. Sure. Yeah. So to you don't control to something out. out. Yeah. yeah. And if it's right there on your thumbs, I mean, that's 10 times easier than moving to a second. I button. agree. We will have to see. There is no video of this. They've just released some pictures, but I agree. If uh, People complain a lot with the action button because you are having to take your hands off of the flippers to interact with it. Um, okay. So one of the things they said, it's kind of a statement that's somewhat rather cocky, but they're saying, we understand that if you walked up to one of our machines, you're going to say, where's the start button? It's because it's on the pin bar. And our goal is down the road, you're going to walk up to a machine and be like, where's the pin bar? Because this is a feature that you're like hooked on. Or like, I only want games that give me this extra bit of whatever. You don't agree with that? You think that's kind of silly? No, 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 no. That's silly. I mean, I would say if you really get used to looking straight down at the score, looking back up at an LCD, I could understand how that would be. Uh, if you got used to it, there's already a machine out there. It's called the P3 Multimorphic that actually has some interact, interesting stuff where the first two-thirds of the play field is a screen. And then the upper third is physical and you can interact and flip out modules with that. And it already does a similar thing where you can see your score. You can see everything right there in the screen. And then I showed you Alien Pinball. They had a screen in the middle. So, and then Haggis Pinball, their screen. Like, there have been other people that have tried. Let's give a, a screen lower down so that the player doesn't have to you know, look up or look away. So I think that is somewhat appealing. I think there's a lot of potential here. Mm-hmm. But the naysayers, one, you're, normally there's an apron down here that, and then there's a lockdown bar. And so yeah. what people are complaining about is if this goes all the way and this is flush with the glass, is there a way that a shorter person, this is going to impede their view of the flippers? Maybe, maybe I don't, I don't know. know. That's we'll that, have to wait and see. To me, that's that's kind of a stretch. And then the best thing is if you look at these corners, people are saying these corners look really sharp. So they're like, "How do you nudge or hold this machine without it cutting up your hands?" Which you would hope or you would feel that that would be something. I would, would have feel out. that a, a pinball manufacturer could <laughs> realize that they need to put rounded corners on something that people. Well, and here's the thing, too. All the nudgers out there and things like that. I mm-hmm. understand who we are talking to. We are talking to pinball people. I have been trying to learn how to nudge yeah. for two years now. And literally today, I think, was the first time I ever had a good nudge. Right? And what did that take? The key is you go up, not I get, over. I yes. get it. Yeah. <laughs> but where do you go up? You put your hip into the middle of it, mm-hmm. right? So you're not going to cut yourself on the corners if you're putting your hip in the middle. Well, yeah, there's many ways you can do it. But people are just finding it's surprising how there are other pin- pinwall manufacturers out there. 
And this is where there's a lot of people in this hobby that are like, you know what? I did not feel that the lockdown bar needed to be something that needed changed. You know, we're used to this. We're used to the way it feels. Like there was another pinball manufacturer that made their own flipper buttons and people complained about the feel of the buttons. And I get that. You know, you can do the same thing with PS4 or Xbox or Switch that people complain about the way the controller feels and blah, blah, blah. I get it. But this is one of those things that they are they are putting a lot of money on this innovation. They This is a standard thing. So what we're looking at is their high-end model. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they have a lower-end model that doesn't have the fancy, like, double-tiered back box. It, apparently, their back box is much more similar to a standard arcade back box with a normal hinge. Same ultra-wide display. Same panoramic um, graphic. But they're saying the pin bar is a standard feature on all games. So this is a, like, this is clearly a differentiator for them or what they're going for they're also saying like normally this is stuff that you don't care about when you open up the coin door there's buttons in there and that's how you do all your maintenance and switches and through that well this is the interface so they're basically saying you could open the coin door type in a password or something and now you can test all your things you can see everything it's supposed to just be a very useful interface but i don't i mean i you're so far it sounds like visually you're interested um, so the last picture I put up here is a picture of the pin pod. Why did I put this up here? This is something they are genuinely bragging about. Okay. This is a box. So they're saying if you wanted to pay extra, you could have your machine shipped in a pin pod. The pin pod is designed in a way where these brackets would pop off. You could, this would all fold flat. You could save it. So this is a useful way to transport a machine. This is something, this is one of their many innovations. And they may have even, yep, they trained, trademarked Pinpod. Okay. I mean, <laughs> that to me just seems like we're trying to get too complicated, guys. But there maybe there's a use for that. So, I don't know. I don't understand the use for it. And the reason being is the moment you ship it, you just lost your Pinpod. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. too. All right. I understand. What, I mean, yeah, we're trying to be eek eco-friendly and things like that but here before we get away though from some of this stuff mm-hmm. you asked me the beginning question how do you get more people into pinball i think one of the problems always with everything is if you hold true to th- something in anything mm-hmm. and say this is what it absolutely has to be and you stop trying to innovate or try to do some new things you're all you're doing is you're then you're just going to keep recreating the same thing to try to meet somebody's expectations so the current pinball players have expectations and that's fine if you're trying to get new pinball players which everybody talks about right mm-hmm. then i think adding something like a touch screen to me not kind of no- novice pinball player i go i understand what how a touch screen works i understand how power-ups work i understand oh if i got this power up and now it's on my right finger right now boom now i got the power like these are video game things mm-hmm. that are starting to creep into pinball. Still keep the flippers. Still keep the what makes pinball the essence of it. But if you add some simplicity to some of the complexity that occurs and things like that, then the average person walking up to that would feel more comfortable doing that. Then, I mean, how do you explain to someone walking up to a machine, okay, if this hits this enough, it's going to put a flashing save button and then to move that around you got to do your flippers while you don't have the ball well what if i have a ball what if i it'd be 10 times easier to go click now it's on and then yeah. I, and then i just save my ball like a I force field better. or something yeah you, i yeah. feel better and i get to play more pinball i i get you and that's one of those things they're absolutely advertising is that 
display of where it is, the pin bar. It is supposed to be very informative, supposed to coach you, teach you, all those things. And I, I agree. I mean, I'm when I saw these pictures, I was not. I thought the art looked cool, and I thought it was new. I thought it looked new and fresh. And I'm, I don't hate on them for the innovation. The the reality is, there's more drama associated with this company. Um, I did a whole podcast on it, my last one, and there's stuff going on in the background, and it's tough because the main owner of this game has really talked a lot of trash for a lot of years. And so people are like, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how amazing this machine is until you're actually making them and shipping them. We don't care. And that's one of those put up or shut up kind of things. So yeah. I get that. Uh, I pulled up the This Week in Pinball article. So here's another thing they did. Instead of sliding the glass out, it's a, it's on a hinged thing like Which a car hood. makes way more sense to me than sliding glass out. Because every time I see that piece of glass sitting behind the thing, all I think about is I'm going to run into that thing and break it. So. Yeah. There's a whole lot here that they brag about. Um, but just for novice players, I'm just curious. Here's the audio, the 4.1 that I talked about. And the pin pod. The pod is stupid. Hot <laughs> take, pod stupid. All right. It's not going to save anything. <laughs> um, Move on. They want this machine to be something that you plug in and leave on, like a computer. And so one of the things they're bragging about is omni-channel, a way that you could access your machine. So if you're like, hey, how was your game last night? I can pull up my phone and I could show you my play times and my scores. And then pin access would be a way that we could have, like, groups or i could see like i could share my scores with others so it's almost like a, a shared leaderboard so this would be there's other machines that have talked about or every company's talking about online access there's another company that already has started it that was p3 multimorphic but they're definitely big into this and there's some people in the hobby that are like the last thing i need is my computer connected to the internet while other people feel like this is absolutely a way like if i know all my friends Back then, if all your friends were on Xbox, you were buying an Xbox. You weren't buying a PlayStation. So if this took off, I I get it. I would tell them, uh, put the machine out first. Let's get that running and then worry about the software on the back end. So I think it's a good idea. You see a lot of the newer arcade games are doing that. Um, There's one, and I'm blanking on it right now. It's a four... It's a four by four person giant machine, and they all connect to each other. Um, Killer Queen? Killer Queen. It's a five by five. Five by five. And they've added a lot of the community aspect and things like that. And it works really well. And it's really grown that community and things yeah. like that of Killer Queen. So I think it can be done. My question is, put the machine out first before you start worrying about apps. Yeah, that's a good point. There's a lot. You should listen to my podcast because there's a lot of stuff that they talked about. They bragged about the software that it runs on. They bragged about a lot of things. And in my mind, I just there's no reason to brag about these things yet. Like, let's see the machine or let's release it. And that was another dramatic part about this or drama thing. They let up for weeks and months that Monday was going to be their grand unveiling. They actually invited six people from Pinball Media into their company over the weekend. And the feedback from the, the six people wasn't particularly good. And basically, they told them, don't release this yet. Like, mm. you, you're going in the right direction, but there's things you need to work on or fix. So a lot of people look at that as like strike three or this this company's like doomed. So I don't know. That's the drama that you probably don't care about. The last thing I want to run through is they've released some of their future titles. So as somebody who's talked about the importance of theme, let's see what you think here. So Fire and Brimstone, relive the Old Testament alongside the prophets of ancient times, build up faith or suffer the fire and brimstone of the wrath of God. I mean, as a person that's read uh, the Old Testament a lot... I would be totally intrigued how you take that into a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see people that flying off the shelves from a theme point of view, but I, the nerd in me goes, 
how the heck do you take that and make that a game? So I would definitely be interested you in play it. So my my thought was like, well, if a youth group is looking for a pinball sure. machine, here you go. It has some very old school 90s Christian video game feel to it. Hopefully they do a better job this time with that. But so far, if you could choose between Fire and Brimstone and Deadpool... See, I think you're. I think that's the wrong question. I think honestly, I think that's the wrong question. It can. I, I just. I think, There's a lot of people that buy machines I, I strictly agree. based on. Theme. I agree, but yeah. you're asking my opinion of it. Yeah. I think that's the wrong question because if you'd gone, if you gone TNA pinball or TNA I Deadpool, know, I know it'd be TNA because it's a great game and plays really well. Yeah, but initial that's. You got to give it a shot, and there's a chance that Fire and Brimstone may be an incredible game. Yeah, and I may love it more than Turtles, which is like my dream theme. But unfortunately, a lot of these people buy things sight unseen. Okay, or... so here, here's another hot take. I think y'all worry about theme a little bit too much sometimes. Well, it, you I mean, know, so yeah. let's let's talk about, for example, Adam's Family. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's talked about this amazing game or whatever. Have you watched the Adam's Family movie from the '90s ever? Anytime recently? It's not not a good movie. Okay. It's okay. There's, it's okay. Yeah, a lot of people like it for nostalgia reasons. Sure. Yeah, but it's why do people still talk about it? It's a really good game. Medieval Madness. You walk up to that. Thing. There is no theme. There's no it's theme unlicensed. to it. Yeah, but yeah, it's a cool thing. So I think to focus completely, ACDC is not a good game because they got ACDC. I'm sorry, Metallica is not a good game because they got Metallica's music. It's a really good, well playing game mm-hmm. that happens to have an awesome metal band on top of that. I I mean. I think it is obvious, though, the the themes that the games that have sold best are they happen to be a combination of a great game and a great theme. It's hard to sell unlicensed theme in today's market, but that doesn't mean you can't have a good unlicensed theme. It's just like TNA is an amazing game. They sold 550 of them. I can't even imagine how many Jurassic Parks they sold or Ghostbusters they've sold or what. So it's just. I don't know. It's a gamble to invest in an unlicensed theme when you almost know that there are games that people are buying sight unseen based on the theme. Uh, Food Truck is the next game. Uh, Get your orders filled quickly and accurately to keep your social media reviews up to maximum scores. There's part of me that that is a little bit more interesting of what you could do something than Fire and Brimstone. I mean, if we're comparing the three, I mean, it's like that... To me, there's an interesting game you could make about it. Now, the next part is talk about cool toys and mechs and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, whatever. Is it a cool game? But how do you... Okay. This is... So, if you walked into a bar and there was eight machines up, and obviously, if you saw a Blade Runner machine, you're going to go right to it mm-hmm. over any of these. But you are enough of a gamer that you'd probably give each one of these games a shot. Yeah. But I, that's the thing of if you're really putting these in a bar and somebody only has a dollar... They're, I would guess they're going to give Turtles and Avengers their money before they'd give Food Truck a shot. I could be wrong. Yeah, but at the same time, what's going to put more quarters in at the end of the day? Like the initial play may be Turtles or whatever, mm-hmm. but if you're... So let's say you're somebody that spent the time to go to an arcade and play something, and there's eight options, right? Yeah. Eight options is a reasonable amount of number, and let's say they're 50 cents a play. That's $4 we're talking about, mm-hmm. Okay. There are probably not. There are probably less people that are like, "Oh, I see a turtles. I'm going to put four dollars into turtles." There's probably more people that I run into of you hop machines. You kind of sure. go around, you try them all, and things like that. So that's where I come back to is, yeah, initially this may look good, and that's where I go to is, what is the collector's market of this, and what is the market of people that genuinely play this? So if 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 it's hey, this has to have a sweet theme and a sweet title. Jurassic, it's going Jurassic World's going to sell tons because or Jurassic Park they, because people love Jurassic Park. Yeah, totally true. 
how many people how much of that market is just people sight unseen by a jurassic park and how many or even bring back if turtles was a horrible game to play yeah would you would you be as high up on it as as you are I it wouldn't. I mean, I would have bought it, but there's yeah. a chance I would have sold it. I would. So, just to counter the theme thing, like I've talked to operators, and they've said like, of all the pinball machines that I put on location, the ones that make the most money were Super Mario Brothers, which is a terrible pinball machine, and Space Jam, which is a terrible pinball oh, machine. Sure. And that's because a lot of women, those are things they react to, or novice players, those are things they react to, and then. Modern games, apparently like Stranger Things, some people really hate that game, but it does a killing on site because it's a very popular theme. Ghostbusters. I don't, I mean, I get it because I know I've taken people like TNA. What sold me on TNA was we went to a bar, we played a ton of games and I had brought a friend of mine from out of town and the game he wanted to go back to was TNA. And that's just because he found it easier to play and we could play co-op and there were things like, so I get it. I mean, there's a chance the food truck. We could play Avengers, we could play this, but for a novice or even maybe a more experienced player, maybe Food Truck has more things that we want to see or experience or interact with. Uh, you're, okay, that's a good point. Uh, Merlin's Arcade, it's kind of a medieval theme. They got the Who. That's cool. Which is interesting. So there's definitely going to be good some music. Food. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some yeah. Who fans. Gladiator, if you read the concept here, it sounds like they're literally just taking the story straight from Gladiator. Well, it's a pretty generic story, so you can take it. But to me, if you're going, oh, I want something that feels old school, Gladiator feels like an old school type of arc or pinball machine well, that you'd run into. What's interesting, though, is the layout. It's based on 3D Space Cadet layout. Do you remember 3D yes. Space Cadet? So is that appealing, though? Of is course. Your, but would you recognize that? That's the thing. Is do you, Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if the artwork looks completely different, if you, you stepped up the machine. You would still know it's Space Cadet. You think you would just, that would feel familiar. Yeah. The layout. Even though the art looks completely I mean, different. I mean, you're talking to a guy that grew up in the 90s, okay? Yeah. Everyone had, everything had Space Cadet on it. You would recognize, you would go, you would at least go up to it and go, this kind of feels familiar. And I don't know why. You may not be able to go, this is Space Cadet, but... I think Space Cadet's like the third highest played game of all time or something like that. It's like yeah. Solitaire Mindscaper Space Cadet. It might. I'm, I'm very curious. And that's There's what some, it's, there, there yeah. are people very excited about that layout. Uh, Yukon Yeti, it looks like this is supposed to be a follow up to um, there was another play field called White, uh, White Water. White Water. That's yeah. What it says, yeah. Yeah. So it looks childish. And the way they say it, goofy and lighthearted. When you throw lighthearted in there, it looks yeah, childish. That's a bad so, idea. I'm curious there. Machine Age, if you look here, two diesel punk heroes. To me, that sounds like we're going for a Mad Max kind of feel. Okay, you're talking to a nerd that loves that. To me, out of all these, I'm like, I want to see what Machine Age is. I want to see what's going on. If it looks cool, if out of all these, that's the one I'm buying. Interesting. Just because that's a, it's not a theme, but it's a style. It's just that a you're style into. or mechs okay. or big things going on. That's open I, I layout. That three idea. first ever mechs done yeah, in video cool. game quality animations. Yeah, it's something different. Let's let's give it a try. All right, and then uh, we got a space pirate themes. This is I don't know if you ever played Black Hole. It's an older pinball mm -hmm. machine where the lower playfield faced towards you. They're saying uh, they we redefines multi level playfields, so it could be a really interesting, cool thing. Magic Girl, there's some drama behind this. This was a machine another guy made. And then right here, what does that tell you? Oh my gosh, they're making a Goonies. Hey, yeah. Hey, you guys, they obviously didn't announce it, but that is, they talk down here, other titles in develop, 80s movie license. Goonies. Goonies, yeah. So there are people that are, I think, huge Goonies fans that are just like, okay, here we go. 
So part of me wonders is if you are a pinball company and if you're going, hey, I want to make, if you're putting out two to three games a year, right, mm-hmm. or something like that, do you start playing the game more of it goes, you know what, we're going to put out a license saying that's going to sell. Goonies is going to sell like hotcakes. People are obsessed with that movie. Sure. Do you put that out, you put some more money into that, and you know you're going to get the collector's market out of it and all that stuff. But then you also build some other machines that are pushing innovation a little bit more and things like that. Like maybe more diversity to the market. And that's where I come back to if it's where maybe if these, these guys are able to produce a little bit more going on, they can start meeting more needs of the customers, right? Mm-hmm. And go, yeah, you. I mean, The Who's going to sell a ton because it's The Who. It's one of the biggest rock bands of all time. So you're going to have your moneymaker, which is great. Okay. But your other two, you can go, okay, we didn't pay anything for the license, so we're saving a ton of money there. Maybe there are other ways we can save money, make this a more affordable game, whatever. But... We can try to innovate a little bit more. Maybe stay safer with Goonies. So you have a cornerstone game that you know is going to make your money, and then you can roll the dice with some other ones. Yeah, because like Stern, for example, right? They put out, what, Turtles, Avengers. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Uh, Deadpool. Deadpool. Like, it, I, it's almost getting to the point where it's like, you're trying to hit every niche market you can. You're trying to hit every fandom. Now, for myself, I'm a Deadpool fan. I'm an yeah. Avengers fan. Jurassic I'm a, Park. I'm a Jurassic Park fan. I'm all this stuff. So... You're going to get those very specific people, but I would love to see what that market is, is I'm just buying this thing because it's Jurassic Park. And what are the people that are getting of, this is some nostalgia that I have, Mm -hmm. but I also don't feel inundated because honestly, when I looked at the lineup, I go, this would be tough for me as a person buying this because I'm going, I love, I love the turtles. I also love Avengers. I also love Deadpool. These are all games that have come out in the last, what, two, three years. So now I'm having to make this decision instead of it's almost like, Hey, man, we're coming out with Turtles this year. And it's like, right, I'm getting Turtles. And then it's like, and we're putting out these other two games that are maybe unlicensed or things like that. And it's like, okay, they're going to hit their markets. And maybe you put one of them more of a hardcore pinball person, right? Okay. And you make that game for it. And it doesn't matter what the theme is. The hardcore pinball person is going to buy it. And then you put in another one and go, hey, this is actually a lot cheaper. We're able to produce it a lot cheaper. We didn't do as much. But we're just making this for people that just want to own a pinball machine. It looks cool. It looks nice on the stage. Like, there's there's almost an inundation of themes at this point at times that, like, for me as an outsider, I'm going, if you're going after comic book fans, you're, you're hitting them hard right now. Yeah, yeah. And I know that's, there are plenty of people out there that either just bought Turtles or had money saved to buy Turtles. And then they announce Avengers and now they're stuck. And it's by the same artist, Zombie Eddie. So the art looks great on both. And they're yeah. stuck as like, well, what the heck? Which one am I supposed to do? So I get what you're saying. The challenge there is the moment that they make... If they put all the new innovation in an off-license game and then they release a Goonies with more simplicity to it, the Goonies fan is going to be like, why did I get gypped? Like, you gave me my theme, but why can't I have all the cool stuff there? Everybody wants everything. They want all the license. They want amazing license, amazing art, all the toys, and they want it cheap. And that's it's just you can't have it all. Well, maybe innovation is the wrong word to use here. Maybe it is, hey, if we got the touchscreen light bar. Right, yeah. we don't need to put that on Goonies. We can just no, no. The pin bars on everything. I they're, understand that, but I'm just saying, in theory, sure. We we don't put that on Goonies because because you just know it's going to sell. It, yeah, it's going to sell and it's going to do all that stuff. But we put that on another machine that's good and and have and don't say don't make Goonies. You know, super simple and easy to play. You can make them. I think at times, you know, here's the thing, outsider look, the pinball community. You guys are worried about every machine being made for the pinball community. 
Okay. And when you and then when it isn't made for the pinball community, you complain about it and you go, it doesn't have X, Y, and Z and doesn't have every bell and whistle on it. Sure. But yet again, you keep talking about how we want to get into other communities too. Yeah. So for example, Turtles, you told me, oh, the big difference is a diverter bar. I yeah. can't even still tell you what the difference of the diverter bar does to the game, right? Yeah, you can change which ramp the ball comes yeah. down on. So, But you would probably never do it. Exactly. Because you don't care. Because, and I still don't understand how to do it because I have to mess with all the buttons and things like that. Sure. So give me a game that I can go and learn and get better at. And then, and then, oh, shoot, now we got into something different. And now, oh, I want to go get the turtles with the diverter bar. And it's so here's an interesting question because they're saying that there's a chance that the low, the their arcade edition, which is the standard one, it doesn't have the fancy hovering back box, but it has the pin bar, it has the wide display. If you next year were like, all right, I've saved up 5,500 bucks for, or six grand, whatever it is, they're saying that there's going to have one that should be able to compete with a Stern Pro. If you're in that, if you have that money, and you're saying, I want a pinball machine for my basement. This would be your only one. Would you be looking at Avengers, Turtles, Jurassic Park? Or would you potentially even consider one of these games? Or is it one of those, I need to play them all and see if this really blows my skirt up? But at the same time, if it's going to be your only one. Would you rather have this, yeah, this steampunk, diesel punk theme in your basement? Or potentially well, a Jurassic Park? Okay, so then the question becomes, what am I looking for out of my pinball machine? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So why did I pick... Why do I say Deadpool, right? Mm-hmm. Love the theme, but the theme isn't everything. Okay. Love, loved how it played, love the, the the stuff it's doing and all that stuff, right? So I enjoy the game too on top of that. But at the end of the day, I kind of get past the point that it's a Deadpool, a Deadpool machine and it's just a, a good arcade machine, right? And that mm-hmm. I really enjoy and, and grow to love and things like that. So I'd say for myself personally... If I'm going, okay, I have $5,500. I want to buy a new machine. Yep. You need to save a little more, but six okay. grand. Six grand, right? <laughs> yeah. I want to get a new machine. <laughs> I would much rather be interested, me personally, and go online and go, hey, what's the one that sounds cool and interesting to me to play? What's the things like that? Now you're starting to get into the market of people that are thinking about what they're buying and not just buying on theme. Yeah. And if you're yeah. just going, people are only buying on theme. It's like, yes, those are nerds that have lots of money that are sitting around and can just go, I can drop six grand on a on dress. Well, I don't care, whatever. Yeah. Or I have, you know, here's all my comic book things. If you're saying we want people just to get into pinball and play pinball, then hey, now they're probably you want to almost make a more discerning customer at times. Yeah. To be interested in this type of stuff. And honestly, I look at the machine age artwork and what does it say to me? Man. That's Magic the Gathering, Mirrodin playing. My favorite thing of all time. I love the idea, mechs and things like that. That's way more interesting to me. I know what Deadpool is going to be. Sure. I want to see what that machine is. Okay. I want to see no, what it does. And that's like I, Fire and Brimstone. Yeah. I want to see what they do. Yeah. Because honestly, they could come out and be like, this thing's crazy. It could be. And that's the... I agree with you. I There are a lot of people that are that are really tearing down Deep Root. And I'm not trying to shill them because I don't know anything about them. I just know... I don't... More pinball, new pinball is all good. I'm all for new companies pushing the boundaries. I talked about this in my last podcast that, you know, when JJP came out with that huge display, that forced everybody else to have a, some sort of display. I mean, there are innovations here that there's a chance that if this pin bar is actually really great... I wouldn't be surprised if other companies start implementing stuff like this. And so there are things in this that there are some people that are complaining, like, why are you changing? It ain't broke. Don't fix it. But at the same time, there's a chance that these new things could bring people into it. 
And it's an interesting, uh, your perspective has been really fascinating here because a lot of what I read is all about very passionate pinball people. And I think they're very set in their ways or have a very, you know, established opinion. And here you are, you're looking at it and you seem pretty positive. Like I'm, I'm willing to give all these, all these pins a chance. Am I willing to plunk down six grand of my own money to buy any one of these? No, I'd have to play it first. But at the same time, I'm willing to give them... I'm not going to write them out, is what, I'm, is what I'm saying. But here's the other aspect, too, that I, th I find interesting about this whole discussion is going... Let's I let's say I'm a brand new person coming into this hobby, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm interested into to buying a machine or things like that. So I'm obviously going to go try as many of these machines out as possible and things like that. Sure. So as long as these machines are getting out in the wild and people are playing them and people are reviewing them and things like that, I'm not making split second to split second decisions on the machine I'm buying. I'm not going turtles buy it done. Yeah. I'm going here's all of them. And part of this is a lot of these licenses, you probably are able to keep this open a lot longer. So well, there is no license. Them. Yeah, they can make Well, whatever. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can produce some longer, things like that. So as a consumer, I feel better and go, I can go online, probably order, you know, machine age, let's say. I can yeah. probably, that maybe they, they can make that for four or five years. Sure. I can go order that thing at any time, get a brand new machine and things like that. I know because of reason, you know, all the reasons that turtles and stuff have been limited. But one of the things I've felt about pinball at times is unless you get on it initially and get your orders in and get yeah. them going, you ain't getting it. Yeah. yeah. So limited editions are gone, obviously. But and then Deadpool, you only have a few years that they're going to manufacture them. Otherwise, you're going to have to buy them used. I, I see. I see what you're saying. Okay. Well, interesting. There's actually I almost want to pick. I'm not going to do it now. We've gone an hour and a half, which is awesome. But um I have, there's a whole nother company. I kind of want to show you their stuff. It's P3 Multimorphic. They've done some really crazy technical innovations with their machines, but they've just, and they've been out for years. They just have never blown up because their machine to get into it is like 10 grand. And mm. then the idea is it was that play field. That's the first two thirds is a screen. And then you can swap out the top. Their idea is you're buying a platform, 10 grand. And then if you want to buy a new game, it's like two grand because you're only buying the top section and swapping it out. A lot of people, though, their complaint is so far, every single one of their games are unlicensed. Their themes are just, there's nothing appealing about their themes. And unfortunately, there's not many of these out there. So people haven't played them. Some people own them and they think it's the greatest thing ever. Other people, I don't know. I, I would, I'd have to show you that, that. I mean, I've thought about that myself where it's like, this could be cool because this is unique. I can play normal pinball somewhere else, but I'm, I'm playing the high-end technically advanced pinball in my basement. I've thought about that. But at the same time, I'd have to sell everything I have mm -hmm. to dive into a 10 plus grand purchase. Well, and I think just my last little comment, though, is the like, what are we talking about? What's so cool with the Stern machines, right? Why do they look so cool? It's this zombie guy, right? Zombie Yeti. Yeah. He's doing this amazing artwork. It's so cool. It's so yep. captivating. So interesting. It's popping. It's coloring, things like that. Why can't they do this with a with non-licensed thing, too? Right? Good question. Because my only TNA, my only problem with TNA, I wish there's more artwork. Yeah. It's a cool theme and a cool thing. You give a guy like Zombie Yeti, you go, okay, uh, Fugitives, Apocalypse, we're trying to blow up nine different reactors. I guarantee that dude can just give you something the, yeah. cool. The Backbox artwork on TNA is good, it's but good. I do, I, I don't, I don't have any complaints with the art package of TNA. But at the same time, if I'm just gonna sit and look at a machine, I'd prefer to look at Turtles. Yeah. I get it, and that's that's one of the things that they've been preaching. They really think that pinball's easy, which is uh, blasphemous. Like they they just think they're like, why can't these animations be high end? Why can't I mean, you saw the original turtle animations? They weren't 
the best. And I like that I swapped them out with the original like animations from the show just because it's nostalgic. But they are saying like we are trying to do commercial grade or like movie theme grade worthy animations and artwork. And I don't know. I think there's there's a lot of potential here. But there's a lot of people in the pinball hobby that are like, do not get your hopes up. They have yet to produce a single thing. Don't give them your money until they actually can produce something. And I get that. So I'm 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 very curious to see what they have. But it's it's interesting because I will say the day that these photos came out, there was a whole lot more negative comments that I saw than positive. And you, as a non-pinball person, it seems like you're actually pretty positive about what you've seen. I mean, don't get me wrong. If the company is completely horrible and everyone involved with it is the worst... I take back everything I've said, but no, they're not. No, they're not like horrible human no, beings. No, no, I but... bet they're good people. I'm just saying, you know, joking. But to me, it's one of those. You start off. You start off every podcast. How do we get more people into pinball? Sure. I think the only way you do it, and I'll bring you back to what I do. Magic's been changing a ton recently, mm-hmm. a ton. Everyone's complaining about it. There are more people that have played Magic this year than ever have, and we literally haven't had Paper Magic because Magic is changing. Because it's online and because it's do it, online, yeah. it's it's visible. It, but that's bringing me. But they've also sold more cards than they ever have. They've sold more cardboard. Because if you can get into the online, you're probably going to dabble in the physical. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. until if unless if you are so stout in your ways, great. If not, things can change. Sure. Now I get it. Um, well, great. The last thing I want to talk about here is this week in pinball. I got to thank Jeff. He supports us. There's this pinball promoters database. Um, Jared, I don't know if you've ever looked at this. But nope. uh, if I scroll down here, who's that sitting at number 10? Oh my gosh, Joel. You're so good at pinball. Out of 169. Joel is a professional pinball podcaster slash Twitch streamer. Yeah, I'm no. so proud so of the, you, Joel. The question is, there's 15 reviews. Are you one of them? No. Yeah. I didn't even know this website existed. <laughs> no. Boy, I'm so glad I can count on the support of my family. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, but uh, feel free if you're listening. I hope you people enjoyed this conversation. I know I enjoyed the last hour and a half talking pinball with my brother. Hopefully this was, a, a I don't know, an interesting perspective of, of an outsider in the hobby. Um, curious what people's thoughts are. You can always reach out at justanotherpinball.gmail.com. Feel free to leave me, unlike my brother, leave me a review here on This Week in Pinball under the Pinball Promoters Database. And uh, yeah, just reach out if you have any questions. Is there anything else you want to say? No, nope. keep playing pinball. It's a lot of fun. Oh, there we go. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. And uh, hopefully you'll hear from me again real soon. Thanks.